Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Rosari. And today we are talking about Camp Randall, home of the Wisconsin Badgers. Oh, yeah. And we'll discuss a little bit about why it's called Camp Randall Stadium, uh, that whole jazz uh, we have a previous episode which talks a little bit about the tradition of jump around there, so you may want to jump back and listen to that. Uh, we have Wisconsin music in this episode from the Tim Schweiger and the Middlemen, and we've got a Brewski Reviewski. Always, because why maybe. wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Another edition of How Many Locos You At is on this episode as well, and a special interview with Wisconsin Dell's Brewery. Uh, fantastic stuff. Awesome. Have you been to uh, Moose Jaw Pizza? Oh, yeah. Because they're the same. I mean, when you order a flight, you're getting a flight of uh, fine, tasty beers. Uh, to uh, to show your support and help us keep growing and uh, uh, just help us in general, uh, we really would like and appreciate a small... Uh, uh, a small little, uh, uh, you know, a uh, 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 favor from all of you to like, rate, review, subscribe, share, comment, do all the stuff. For sure. Um, you know, we don't ask too much around here. Uh, we also do have a store at tpublic.com. Simply search Wisconsin Drunken History, and you're going to find uh, a bunch of different products with our logo on it where you can represent and support your favorite independent podcast. Also, check out our social media pages over at Facebook and Instagram, uh, where we post unique content and fun Wisconsin-related videos and pictures. Uh, so without any further ado, let's jump right into Camp Randall. Yeah, so Camp Randall Stadium, as mentioned before, is home of the UW Badgers. But why is it named Camp Randall Stadium? Well, the history of the grounds is actually quite a fascinating one, and you're going to hear its role in development and the protection of Wisconsin. So originally the land where uh, Camp Randall sits had indigenous people there on the site, going back about 12,000 years. And uh, for your for your Christian listeners, please just bear with us here. Don't get angry with us. We're just t- stating it scientifically, carbon dating. These here. are the facts. <laughs> yeah. Which, if you if you look back at history of the development of Wisconsin, is where the last glacier ended up, you know, before it retreated back after the Ice Age. This is around the same time when people started living in this area. The area was a hotspot as there were uh, lakes surrounding the areas on both sides. It's abundance of food. It's an easy area to protect. Obviously, you're on a peninsula, right? You only have to protect two sides. You're good to go. And uh, the fresh water, making it a great space for these people to settle. Specifically, the Ho-Chunk are a well-known Native American tribe who built many of the effigy mounds you're going to see in the area. As our previous Madtown episode where we learned about the capital, we owe the European settlement around 1800s to Madison founder and entrepreneur James D. Doty, who moved to the Wisconsin capital from Belmont to Madison, which caused the area to explode with population. 
And due to this large population, the original state fair was actually held, which is now held in Milwaukee, was actually originally held in Madison, the first one taking place in 1858, hosted by the Wisconsin State Agricultural Society. So here's where the Camp Randall name comes in. In 1861, the breakout of the Civil War was the government, when the government asked the Wisconsin Territory to start providing soldiers for the Union Army to help protect our government, governor at the time, Alexander Randall, you hear that, Randall? Got it? That is, it? hey. You got it? That's kind of where that comes from, huh? Chose the state fairgrounds area to become a place to train soldiers to fight. Thus the name Camp Randall. This area was all within a 53-acre plot of land, which is now the UW campus. A uh, beautiful cool. campus it is, by the oh, way. Yeah, if you I haven't been it. to the terrace, absolutely visit it. It's amazing. I lived on Regent Street for a short time, and uh, it was a it was a pretty cool little dorm. I, I, I didn't really want to live with a, a roommate, so I ended up living in a dorm there. It was like a little small efficiency, super tiny, but right, right. it was better than having a stinky dude sleeping it's basically next basically just to your own little apartment. Right. Awesome. It was just a really shitty small apartment. Really? Honestly. Yeah. So this area provided training for more than 70,000 troops all the way up until the end of the war in 1865, which is where three quarters of all the troops that Wisconsin provided were trained. The camp could accommodate 5,000 people at a time and featured 40 barracks, a hospital, officers' quarters, as well as a horse stables and commissionary. Commissary. Commissary, sorry. Commissionary. No, I think <laughs> it's, completely written, different. it's written wrong here. but No, it is a commissary. Yeah. Commissary. Um, Camp Randall also became place for the POW of the Confederate Army, and roughly 1,200 prisoners were kept here, obviously because Jesus. it's so far north from the from the battle lines, like, yeah. so they couldn't escape and get anywhere. You would die. I mean, Wisconsin winters are cold, bro. You're not going to make it very yeah, far. Yeah, I would imagine, I guess, but that seems... Could you imagine like trying to run through Wisconsin in a gray Confederate uniform? I mean, you're going to be easily spotted, and you're not going to survive because our winters are very cold. So That just a seems great spot. really incredible. 1,200? Yeah. Around 140 deaths of Confederate soldiers are buried on Madison grounds in the Forest Hill Cemetery, cemetery and can still be visited today, actually. I know there was, like, some people complaining about it that they wanted those taken down. Yeah. I think the, I think the, eventually they said, you know what, we're not going to take it down. These are dead people. Let's let them rest in peace. Well, it's, right. it's it, over with. It's done. Like, let's not take yeah, it. It's not, it's offense, not, yeah, you it's offense. Yeah, it's not doing anything. Right, exactly. So after the war, the grounds were once again returned to the state fairgrounds, as well as hosting the Barnum Circuses, which we all know and love in the state, and even Native American lacrosse games. In 1893, the state of Wisconsin purchased this piece of land and was originally discussed to be a place to build residential areas. But many opposed this, due to it being hallowed ground, of the soldiers that died there and the Indian effigy mounds. So the state decided that in 1909, the property was to be given to the UW of Madison campus and originally was used as a pharmaceutical garden that planted things like cannabis and medical herbs. Hey. Right. Well, I mean, and we're getting there again. Yeah. Where, you know, uh, cannabis will be Someday more considered it will be legal in Wisconsin. I promise you that. I mean, Minnesota, Our Illinois. neighbors to the south are already Yeah, it, dude. So. The Fibs already got weed. Come on now. Yeah. So, and to each their own. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not a real fan of smoking weed. I just get too paranoid. I know in high school I did a lot of that I, yeah. stuff, and I got it out of my system pretty early. I just think that there's there's so many good things that we could possibly achieve from it, and we already right, know that right. it's, you you're not you can't 
over overdose from marijuana right. right and i mean people with pain it's a it's a good alternative to taking opiates let's be honest 100 percent. it's way better we have an opiate crisis we don't have a marijuana crisis right i mean what's the worst you're gonna do in marijuana you're just gonna sleep on the couch and watch Oops. fucking the price is right for six hours I ate six bags of doritos <laughs> yeah, right and uh fell asleep so in 1895, the first Badger game were held where the engineering wing is located today, and I know this area specifically. You were there. But the grandstand in this location had issues and would eventually fall apart, thus leading the school to start coming up with new options where to host a legendary Badgers game. And in 1917, the money was being saved to create the new stadium, thus leading to the field to be located on the Camp Randall grounds, and keeping the historical name would continue to add to the field that we know and love today. Sure. So, Eric, what are your thoughts? I know if you've ever been here, um, you're going to see the archway that says Camp Randall. You're going to see that right away. It's a big stone archway in memorial of the Civil War. and Yeah, and I've, I've seen it. I've never been into Camp Randall. That's something that we've discussed yes, you've never a been, little bit on this. You've uh, been in Madison and past Camp Randall. Right, and, I, and I've been to the Cole Center, so I have seen basketball games there, but just never had the opportunity to, to see a Badgers game at Camp Randall. Uh, but, yeah, I mean... The, the history that's there and the reason for the naming uh, just, uh, hey, it's it's Wisconsin history. Right. You, you can't take anything away from that other than, hey, it's part of our past. And why run from it? You know, what are we going to do? Name it like, you know, something that has absolutely nothing to do with any of our, our history or culture. Right. I mean, sure, you could go and just say it's Badgers Stadium, but um, at least this, there's a story there. So talking about naming stadiums here, and this might get a little controversial here, but so the team is the Brewers, right? Yeah. Does American Family Insurance make any sense, a team called the Brewers? Hey, if Miller Park honesty, wouldn't have fumbled their entire uh, uh, sale of their of their business and everything. They sold out to Molson Coors, which is the biggest problem with Miller. But, but even Molson Coors, but, I mean, it, it's it's Anbev. It's Anheuser yeah, right. and, and Bev. Right. So... Uh, I, I'm I'm one of those I'm one of those individuals that says, uh, why why reward Miller true with the naming of this when they have completely fumbled and screwed their their entire business for sure. I, now do I, I love agree with do that. I love the name Amfam Field? No. Yeah, no, I don't but think I anybody also, does. I refuse to give credit or props or anything to Miller for for this right. So, Russ Klish, if you're listening here, I don't know how much money you got. I'm not digging in your pocketbooks here, but we need to call this thing Lakefront, Lakefront Brewery Stadium, Stadium. Yeah. That's where we need to go with this. Independent, good craft beer, good team. Let's do this. Russ, if you're listening. Yep. Hey, this is we need you. All right. Now we have our Wisconsin music segment, and we've got a, uh, a really, truly great one today. Uh, Tim Schweiger and the Middlemen. They come from the Milwaukee area, uh, or at least that's where they're kind of billed out of, and uh, this music is just absolutely top-notch. Uh, if you have a, a chance, please go visit their Facebook and their Bandcamp. I think they're on Spotify as well, maybe in multiple different uh, facets. I don't know if they have just like one account on there or whatever. I think I had a little bit of trouble finding it, but uh, either way, we're going to start you out where, where we kind of thought felt right uh the song is called red coyote uh it is absolutely fantastic uh, again this is uh, tim schweiger and the middlemen red coyote
right, again, that was Tim Schweiger and the Middlemen, Red Coyote. Damn it, that was good. Yeah, definitely check those guys out. If you're into that alternative indie music scene, you got to see these guys. And that was pepped. It had step. It was great. I mean, yeah, I, sure. I just absolutely love it. Uh, just just absolutely fantastic stuff. A lot of energy. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. So uh, we now have a beer review from Door County Brewing Company. This is Lost Camper. And let me tell you, there's one thing that you notice right off the bat about a lot of these different uh, uh, more craft brews, micro brews. Their cans and their artwork is absolutely like fantastic. Just phenomenal. But Eye this, catching. But yeah, this one is a Hell's Lager. It's coming in at about 5.2% alcohol by volume by the uh, Door County Brewing Company, as stated by my co host here. Um, it's called Lost Camper. And. Uh, you know, it's really tasty. If you're, this is really, if I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're going from a light beer to craft beer, this is your guy. This, this is your the, boy. This is this, that first step. Oh my God. It's and so, it's a, it's a small step. It's so tasty. Like it's better crafted than a Miller light or a Bush light. hundred percent. It uh, has a little hop, not a lot of hop, but you're also more than that Pilsner. Obviously it's a lager. So it's probably close to the Pilsner family. Um, it's a hell's lager, which kind of similar they're going to probably use some pills malt in there um obviously you're using a lager yeast not a ale yeast so you got that lager flavor but uh yeah i mean i love the name too lost camper i mean there's been a few times where i've had some ipas and uh, even this one if you drink enough of them you you can become a lost camper in uh, a coyote dinner yeah Let's just be honest here yeah you might end up uh, be uh find yourself bent over a cauldron on uh <laughs> Oh, if we're you going back. Many of these babies. Yeah, for sure. Episode, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, what yeah. did you say your grandma used to say? Uh, ass over tea kettle. Ass over tea kettle. You never yeah, want to do that. I, yeah, I, I, I've always thought about this, and I tried to break it down philosophically. Like ass over tea kettle. So like, I don't even know. I I can't even explain it to you, dude. Like ass over tea kettle. I think number one, you're gonna have to have a few more lost campers. To, to really understand to comprehend what that is. and actually break down the mathematics and the logistics behind that. Yeah, it, it's not something that you're going to have to be philosophical about. You're just going to have to be drunk. But honestly, like this one isn't that bad. It's it's light enough where you can drink this one for a while. You're not going to get messed up. You know, if you want to be a real lost camper, have like a, a 9% Imperial IPA. Then you're going to become a, a double. Yeah, you're going to become a uh, sleeping bag bear burrito real fast. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be, you're going to be a stuffed burrito. Yeah. Have you so, ever seen those bear skin rugs in front of fireplaces? You're going to be the human skin rug in front of a bear's fireplace. Right. Like the opposite of a Goldilocks and the three bears. You're actually going to be, you're, you're going to be fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush here. You're yeah. just going to be absolutely toasted. Yeah. I was, I was going to go into some weird analogy there, but you're, you're just going to get scratched to pieces. So don't either, be a lost camper. Either way. Great beer. Check it out. Door County Brewing Company has never let us down. No, we've definitely had a few other ones, and this one's great, so definitely check this one out. All right, now time for the infamous How Many Locals You At segment. Uh, this guy's an idiot. Oh, um, great. Oh, wait, that's pretty normal. Yeah. Pretty much everybody ever in this uh, segment, Every segment is <laughs> a moron. And I'm not going to lie, I've definitely had my <laughs> run-ins with stupidity, but oh, these yeah, are pretty sure. bad. Yeah, the, uh, clearly no thought at all, no brain uh, activity, uh, signs of life are negative, minimal, minimal negative. Yeah, at least. Uh, so this is all about this Wausau man who crashed his boat into a west side park at a high rate of speed. <laughs> 
He is facing <laughs> felony charges. Oh, my God. That's pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, yep. This is in uh, Marathon County. Uh, okay. So he is at the Marathon County Circuit Court. Uh, a bystander actually video captured our 49-year-old idiot uh, across Lake Wausau and, and, and filmed him ramming his watercraft onto a boat ramp at D.C. Everest Park. And that was on a Sunday, so Sunday fun day, right? Am yeah. I right? Well, yeah. <laughs> boat ramp. You ever take that thing off any sweet ramps? <laughs> oh, my God. So this individual uh, now faces charges of second-degree recklessly endangering safety, disorderly conduct, and, of course, uh, just uh, under the influence uh, ramping X Games. So, so <laughs> He's getting extreme. <laughs> yeah. so, so this guy... What, we got his age, right? And we know he was on a boat. He's 49. A 49, so he's not a local drinker. But this guy may be a malt liquor, Budweiser Clamato maybe guy. Ooh. He kind of looks like a Clamato guy to me. Yeah. So clam to me. He definitely looks like a like a methed out Ken doll. It's the best I can describe it. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Several witnesses called the police after allegedly seeing the incident and fearing for their safety at the boat landing, uh, which was filled with a bunch of boaters, vehicles, and and many people, uh, just you know, individuals on foot and stuff. So, uh, one witness told the uh, police that this individual, who allegedly narrowly averted striking a vehicle in the parking lot, this guy's in a boat. <laughs> he appeared to have no emotional reaction to this incident at all, and implied he did not do it on purpose. Hmm. Or no. He did it on purpose. Oh, son of a bitch. Dude, there goes a propeller. Holy smokes. Yeah. Because. Oh, 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 his his, his response. I want to hear. I was parking my boat. Oh, my God. I've seen some dumb Illinois people try to park boats. (laughs) This guy. Parked the boat. Topped. Everybody. He's like, oh, boat launch? No, boat ramp. Wow. I not only want to be in the park, I want to be yeah. next to the swing set, baby. I'm going to go ahead and kill a bunch of people on my way up to the, you know, the uh, the back of my, you know, GMC oh, Yukon or whatever the hell it's called. So, this guy. This guy, like, I don't even know, like, what to say, though. You know, he's, I think he just seems like a dick, to be honest. Like, apparently he's, uh, he also allegedly grabbed some, uh, a, a, a red cooler uh, off the boat. Like he had, he found time to like. I also need to unpack my boat. I need to fondle my cooler. He, dude, there's when no way like he launched. He didn't launch and land his boat on his trailer. So I, how is he unpacking this thing when it's clearly been? Hey, get out of the way, Margaret! I need to get my Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> so he also faces faces additional charges of disorderly conduct, domestic abuse, criminal damage Jesus. to property. Uh, in a separate case that was also filed. So, uh, okay, what's going on with this guy? I, well, I'm I, telling you what, this guy is a real gem. All right, I, I don't even know where to start on the local level, though. Like, I, I am really at a loss on this one because this guy might not be on any local. He might just be a dick. Yeah, a complete douche with but like some there's mental still issues. A le- there's still a level of uh, so of of drinking. Involved here, yeah. I mean, to be that relaxed in a situation that insane, for yeah. sure. 
he um, was calling. He said he did it on purpose. He acted like he did something really cool, and everybody's all pissed off about it because a couple people might have been like in the way and could have gotten hurt. He's like a no. 40, he's like a forty nine year old with a freaking monster tattoo on his wrist. Like yeah, dog. yeah. He's not seeing the situation for what it is. He's drunk, and you know, like you said, maybe not on Four Loco itself, but I still got to give this guy a solid uh, six or eight. Yeah, I was, I w- you know, if I was going to give any locos, I was thinking about six, six loco. And I think the Ten guy might half. actually have, he just might be a dick and has some mental issues. Yeah. To be honest. Here. Oh, for sure. Rage issues, for sure. For sure. Like he's, he's, domestic abuse. Yeah. Sign A, check, yep. you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm willing to go ahead and say this is a case of a six loco with the guy being a uh, monster douche. For sure. So today we're here with Jamie from Wisconsin Dells Brewery. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so can you tell us the history of the brewery, um, how you guys got started, and a little information about you, because I hear there's a special title you have in the state. Um, well, Moose Jaw opened up in 2000, May 15, 2002. I started at the brewery. Uh, about four months after they opened, so I've worked there since 2002. Um, we are a 15-barrel brew house, and we opened up just as a brew pub, uh, draft only. Uh, in 2005, I took over the brewery when my predecessor left, and at that point, I became the first woman brewmaster in the state of Wisconsin. That's awesome. Which awesome. I thought was weird. I didn't think that was a thing because, <laughs> yeah. hey, how old am I? Like, that shouldn't be a thing these days. But, right. Uh, after the Wisconsin Historical Society looked into it and everything, realized that that was actually a thing. Um, but if you think about it, Miller's never had a female brewmaster. And at the time I took over, there was only a handful of other breweries in the state. And all of those were run by men. And even if it was a husband-wife team, the man always declared himself brewmaster. That's pretty awesome. You're going to go down in Wisconsin history now. Yeah, definitely. Which is awesome. Well, actually, the Wisconsin Historical Society did take my boots. Oh, really? Uh, a couple of years ago, yep, a couple of years ago, they came and took my pink boots because <laughs> cool. um, I started wearing pink boots uh, shortly after I started in the brewery um, as just a weird way to um, stick out a little bit just so people didn't think actually I was the janitor or something. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Understandable. Know, like looking really kind of grubby or dirty because <laughs> yeah. it's always cleaning. Yeah. Um, so I started wearing pink boots. And uh, when Terry Ferendorf did her epic trip across country and back visiting brewers back in 2007, um, I knew she was a Wisconsin girl from reading it online, even though she never brewed in the state. Hence, another reason I ended up being first because she could very easily brewed in the state, but she never did. Um, so I begged her to come brew with me, and we did a collaboration beer, and she showed up wearing pink boots. And that was kind of her trip and us meeting, and everything was kind of that's how she, the catalyst for her starting the Pink Boots Society, because all the girls she met along the way were like, wait a minute, there's others? Because I had never met another woman brewer. I go to the uh, the Madison uh, 
beer fest, you go to the Brewers Guild meetings, the Master Brewers meetings, and you're the only girl at the table. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously besides Deb Carey, but she'll even tell you she does everything at the brewery besides brewing. And, you know, there was always Stacy from Tyrenina, but, you know, she office, not brewer. Yeah, so, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was uh, very lonely those first uh that first decade. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> hey, you're a trailblazer, um, though. That's awesome. But, you know, in 2012, we did get two other female brewmasters, um, Allison up at uh, Thirsty Pagan and uh, yep. uh, Ashley over at Capitol. So, you know, it's been, now it's just leaps and bounds, and a lot of that's due to the Pink Boot Society. Uh, just being out there and showing people it's even an option to become a brewer because when I was in school my teachers we did in bioreactions class we did a weird experiment where we were like home brewing basically uh, but not calling it home brewing and I did a trick with my yeast and I turned what you know was probably supposed to be a brown ale into a very strong like imperial brown and they were all like oh, you should be a brewer. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a job option? Yeah, that, yeah that's cool. <laughs> that's so neat. I didn't know. I, they leave that one out on career day, don't they? They sure do. <laughs> yeah, and the really cool thing I just heard recently is uh, Madison now offers a uh, brewmaster program, which is really cool, and they kind of direct it to like everyone, you know, which is great for the future of brewing. They do. Um, I actually was lucky enough, I did get a go for uh, brewing and malting to Madison, UW, but that was before that program. That was through the extension program yep. held by Master Brewers. So that was over on Willow Street through their extension program. But um, back in the day uh, when the Master Brewers was run by Ray Klumovich, he's uh, obviously a Wisconsin guy, and uh, he always had the Master Brewers Brewing and Malting courses uh, on the UW campus. So we'd uh, have our classes with amazing brewers from all over the world um from like asai japan el presidente uh coors molson uh miller everybody sent everybody there uh we had like in my class like 15 guys from negro mandelo uh it was pretty awesome that's pretty cool you you like already had to be able to meet all these big big guys it's pretty pretty neat i was by far the smallest there. I kept having to raise my hand in class, like, how does this apply to me? I basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. through automation. <laughs> I was like, I'll never have this. <laughs> that is such a cool story. They flew in one guy from uh, Kent, England, and uh, he was talking about single infusion mash tons, and he was only in, like, I think Wisconsin for four hours. And I was like, this all applies to me. This is my system. Tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 I know we did a lot of homebrewing, and that's kind of all we did is, is all in one vessel kind of thing. Basically steeping yep. like you would steep tea, basically, yeah. is the same yeah. thing. You're basically lifting and lowering, letting the sugars out. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of how we first started cleaning up. You know, <laughs> that was the only pain in the butt. So, it's a lot of cleaning. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I always tell people I'm just uh, – glorified janitor that does taxes and uh (laughs) basically yeast wrangler the the brewing's a fun part which only lasts about five percent of what you really have to do (laughs) barely even yeah Yeah, right exactly (laughs) i mean the the beer is so smart it does it all and we almost don't even need it it does yeah it's it's the workhorse yeah 
the enzymes know what they're doing. You know, you couldn't stop them almost even if you wanted to. The yeast has its, has its own thing. It's been going on for millions and billions of years. So like, it doesn't need our help. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, Jamie, we got to so, ask, is there any uh, new beers we need to look out for um, from your brewery? Actually, we've got, uh, we're really kicking our barrel program into high gear. We started uh, a few years ago with bottle-only offerings. And now, since last year, we have a dedicated draft line for our barrel program that uh, is constantly changing. Oh, that's awesome. So that is really exciting. Um, I just made an imperial stout this week that's going into Buffalo Trace barrels in about two weeks. I've got uh, uh, imperial IPA that's in gin barrels right now that'll be out this summer. That sounds phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, I've I've got uh, a strong golden Belgian ale that is um, in Sauvignon Blanc barrels right now. That's awesome. On on tap right now, we have a Seychon that's in Sauvignon Blanc barrels, and we have a Belgian double coming up that was aged on oak. Wow, that sounds amazing. So uh, what what is one of your favorite golden ales besides, obviously, yours? I... Oh, golden ale? Yeah, like a Belgian <laughs> um, you know golden. Oh, Belgian golden. You know who always, I think, makes great Belgians is Sprecher. Oh, yeah, those are actually I, pretty good. They are, like, they are the unsung heroes in Wisconsin of the Belgian style, I would say. I think... Uh, the- they've always been a trailblazer for that uh, entire uh, group of beers. You know, they also do, obviously, German styles well, but... Early on in the day, I think they led the way for everyone in Wisconsin to be able to approach the style of Belgian beers in a really good way. And I've always liked how all of theirs, their triple and anything they attempt has turned out. So yeah, those I are, really like Sprecher for that. Those are definitely tasty. I, I mean, my I think my favorite has to be Delirium Tremens. It's like the classic go-to, though. Oh, yeah. You know, it's kind of like... I'm, I'm just trying to keep it Wisconsin. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a no-brainer, you, you know. You know the thing it's they a... say about Wisconsin people, like uh, other beers that try to sell in Wisconsin, even distributed here, they always end up dying off and yeah, uh, for canceling sure. distribution here because Wisconsin drinks Wisconsin. Yeah, Awesome, Jamie. But before we let you go today, we have about 10 questions to find out. How Wisconsin are you? Are you ready for these? Sure. <laughs> All right, here we go. First question. Where do you consider up north? Uh, Wausau. That far north. So, <laughs> Have you ever milked a cow? Yes, I have. Awesome. In sixth grade. By hand? <laughs> yes. Bonus points on that <laughs> one. Have you ever hit yes. a deer? Uh, yes. You have a bunch of t- a bunch of times. <laughs> have you ever tailgated a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? All oh, multiple times. I remember most of them. Awesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly uh, same. Same here. <laughs> same here. <laughs> so, next question: um, Have you ever been to a supper club, and do you have one that you recommend? Oh, Ishnala. Ishnala's awesome. Yeah. That's like the go-to. That is like. Best, Best view. Oh, yeah. Great so menu. Yep, yeah, it's uh, nice to go kayaking below it, too, in the yeah. summer. Really nice kayaking on that stretch of the water, so over by Mirror Lake. So is there a beer you recommend from your brewery that would be great on beer brats? Oh, um, our 
Pilsner is great. The Pilsner. It's a beautiful. Yep, it's a beautiful, delicate, um, not overly hoppy, but I think it's got a nice German flavor, and it's on tap now. Awesome. Next question: Have you ever been to Summerfest, and do you have a favorite band or a memorable band that you saw there? Uh, I went to Summerfest in high school, and haven't been back since. But who is playing? I want to say Blink One Eighty Two. Awesome! <laughs> we love Blink. That's <laughs> like that's like one of my favorite bands. I'm, They're so I'm good. Old. <laughs> we're in the, we're in that same boat. We've yeah. been Blink fans think, for a while. I want to say that was like ninety six. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's like the old bling too, before yeah. like all the modern stuff came out. That was on. still with Scott Rayner on yeah, drums. Yeah, that's all. I'm, yep. he, he recorded that album with the broken leg. Can you believe that? That's yeah. just insane. So, next question I got for you. This is a Dell's question. What is the best water park to check out in the area? Oh, Noah's Ark by far. Noah's Ark is top. Absolutely, number one. Yeah. Noah's Ark is the best. Noah's Ark. Yeah. I I like Kalahari too, just for the surf aspect of it. Even though I'm terrible at it and I look like a goof. It's still like just one of those things. great in the winter, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Got to go to Noah's Ark. Oh, for sure. Noah's Ark is awesome. It's a classic. Yeah. All right, I got one more question for you before we let you go today, Jamie. Other than your brewery, is there a brewery tour, tap room, or anywhere we want our listeners to visit to get some good beer? It can be in Wisconsin or out of Wisconsin. Your choice. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would send people up to Earthrider in Superior, Wisconsin. We had them yeah. on our show, actually. They're awesome guys. I think uh, I know my friend Allison's brewing up there. Uh, everything I've had from them is delicious so far. They're doing some great things. I think they're really, they've got a beautiful new brewery. And uh, I think if the, on tour days, like I'm not sure, I think they rotate through the brewers, so they're actually the brewers are the ones giving the tours, if I'm not mistaken. At least pre-COVID, that's how it was. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that area. Superior is so nice too. I mean, you got like some of the best pizza if you go to Thirsty Pagan, and then you can go to Earthrider. Yep. There's just so many good ones up there. Yep, but yeah, Earthrider, I think, uh, and especially I think they were working on some outdoor festivals. Yep. So, yep, they. Uh, I think they've really got it going on for the North Woods there. But, Jamie, awesome. thank you so much for your time today. It was a really great story. I'm glad we got to talk to you today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, stay warm, guys. All right, yeah, thanks, you, too. you too. All right, bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.